There's winners, there's losers. You are a winner. The greater investment you can have is to invest in yourself. You can tell your story. It's unique, it's genuine, and nobody else got your story. I guarantee that. Do you know what else is a guarantee? Change. And it's in the air as we transition from the warmth of summer to the crisp embrace of fall. Every season should bring about personal and professional growth, inspiration, and how we can make a powerful impact in our communities and daily lives. Today, we're excited to dive into the conversation with author and motivational speaker and minister, Anthony D. Shannon. His powerful story of perseverance, resilience, and tenacity will motivate you to cultivate your own story and to make this upcoming fourth quarter the best season of your life. Are you ready to make this a winning season? Allow Interludes and Dr. Shannon, a.k.a. Speaker T, to inspire the next moves in motivational speaking and writing. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a Peer Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by... Need help with wills, trusts, or protecting your LLC? Join Legal Shield today. Text the word LEGAL to 347-652-0243 for more information. And now, all the way from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. Everyone, welcome to another wonderful edition of Interludes, and it's always a pleasure when we have leaders of this caliber on this particular platform. My gosh, there are so many titles, but mainly he has the heart of a servant, and I met him through another connection, a couple of connections. Many of us are friendly on on Clubhouse. And I, I end up hearing this speaker tea and I'm like, who is this? But then I found out he is a pastor. He is an author. He is a motivational speaker and just recently received his doctorate degree in divinity. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to call him Pof, prophet and pastor Anthony D. Shannon. Welcome. How are you, sir? You know what? I'm doing fantastic. I'm great and I'm grateful to be alive. That's for sure. I continue to uh, do my part to educate ignorance and uh, do my part to change the world one person at a time. <laughs> let's let's walk this all the way back because I'm in Chicago and I kind of feel like you're down the street just outside of Detroit. And Chi-town, Chi-town. Out of Chi-town. That's that's where I'm that's where I'm hanging out on the south side of Chicago. I'm literally a throw, uh, arms throw away from Hammond, Indiana. That's how close I am to that wow. situation. Yeah, I'm I'm real close. When you started, mm-hmm. when did you know that you wanted to go into the direction of helping people and being a person of the cloth, speaking in in spaces of preaching? <laughs> well, you know, I never, ever, I don't know if anybody said that, but I never saw myself being no preacher, teacher, or communicator at all. Okay. You know, I just... 
uh, probably about four years ago, I released my, the first time I ever talked about having a learning disorder, speech impediment, and um, not being able to articulate or enunciate all because of my mother when she was pregnant years ago with me and my sister. I had a sister. We were twins. Uh, they didn't see me in the womb. They only saw her. Um, but they knew something was going on when she went into coma on October. I mean, um, the end of September. She didn't come out of the coma till the early morning of October 4th. And um, they did a C-section. They saw that the baby was dead. Pulled the baby out to their surprise. They thought I, I was dead too, but then my heart started beating. And when it started beating, uh, she had smothered me or was on top. So that all of the oxygen had left. So they, you know, put me in this little machine and mm. everything, but I survived. And then mm. of course I didn't speak till I was about four, four years old. So they thought I was retarded. They thought, man, something's wrong with them. Maybe because of the oxygen didn't get to them. It's got a learning disorder, all these different things that happen. And so right. I never, ever saw myself being able to help anybody and except my mother decided listen you know she was praying mother and she went to church and she said listen god i know is going to help you conquer this and um met a lady who was my counselor named mrs horton miss horton introduced us to sue and susan it told us that there was different levels of learning and different capacities of learning and that once we knew what my um, capacity was of learning that anybody could learn and she would teach me. And then of course she was also a speech pathologist. So she said, I'm going to teach you how to speak, enunciate, articulate. And she took on the project. And um, next thing I know, I was talking, I was doing well in school. And, um, you know, I had several teachers that said it wasn't going to work. And I followed those teachers through everything. When I graduated out of high school, I sent them a copy of my high school diploma. When I went to college and did my undergrad, I sent them a copy of my undergrad. I went to master's, got my math, sent them a copy and said, this is what you said wasn't going to happen. Let me tell you what would happen. So the cloth was never, ever on, on view. That's for sure. <laughs> wow. And that always amazes me. And I've heard other speakers talk about how they there was something wrong. I, would, I always hear Les Brown. He talked about, mm -hmm. I believe, what what was wrong Absolutely. with him. Same thing. Yeah, yeah he had a same. Yeah, right. And I and I feel like God has a way of using anyone to get out a great message. Yeah, and that could be anything i anyone and i anyone that is someone that leads our people you have a special responsibility a, a special assignment in that regard in your career share with us a little bit of your journey in the corporate world and becoming a motivational speaker and a training expert in leadership um how did your experiences in corporate leadership influence your approach in motivational speaking and training you know, um, I remember when I was at Eastern Kentucky University, that's where I went to school, ran track there, played football. Oh. And it was there in the summer. It was it was weird because 
you know, when I left to go on my track scholarship, me and my mother was getting into it. And I told her I was leaving and uh, told her I was grown. She said, grown people are on their own. She said, so you better think about what you're saying. I said, well, I didn't thought about it. She said, okay. So when I left to go to school, she changed all the locks. Um, what? And um, so when I, I remember I forgot something. And I said, because I was with a girl at the time. And I said, hey, I'm going to go to my house, get my stuff. And that's when I found out all my locks. All the locks had been changed. My mother was at work. And I said, hey, I can't get in the house. And she said, listen, son, you told me you were on your own. She goes, you know, I don't play. I told you to think about that thing twice. You said you didn't thought about it. She said, okay, there's no coming back unless you apologize. You ready to submit? I said, no, nah, I ain't ready. She said, okay. So I had to go to school <laughs> on the break. I was at, at school. I had to work it out to stay at the school. And as I worked it out, I, I went on this uh, program. They had a program that Mrs. Indy allowed me to go on. When I went on the program, it was a program dealing with um, businesses. And they had a collaboration of businesses and I was being able to talk to the CEOs and um, the COOs of companies and presidents and vice presidents. And I said, man, they all wear suits. They all look like they're doing well. And something inside of me said, this is what I want to do. I want to be a businessman. That's what I'm pursuing. I'm going to pursue business. I changed my major. You know, I was in radio and television. And I said, and I also was in architectural. So I took, I got out of architectural and got into business, still stayed in radio and television and then did business. And that's, that's how I began to be a businessman. And I, I remember I wanted to be a manager, but nobody wanted to hire me as a manager. So I said, well, what can I do? And this young, this man said, well, Shannon, have you ever waited tables? I said, no. He said, why don't you try waiting tables so i went in there and applied for a company called chi Chi's at the time yeah. and it was a mexican restaurant and they said well have you ever waited i said no they said okay i'll tell you what let's let's train you in wait on being a bus boy i said i don't want to be no bus boy he said i thought you said you wanted to be a manager i said i do he said well you got to learn all the aspects of the business if that's what you want to do so they started me off as a bus boy i did very well in two months he said i promised you if you do well i will be up to a waiter I moved up to a waiter. I liked it so much making money and um, going to school. So when my when I became a junior, the manager said, are you ready to be a manager? I said, absolutely. So he trained me to be a lead. And then I was a lead trainer. And then I became the manager. And I did well. And when I graduated, I just stayed with it and became a bar manager. I became a service manager, a kitchen manager. And then I became the general manager in restaurants and then I used to run a bunch of restaurants and then I decided okay this is too much work so I start working for Marriott Corporation and Marriott had businesses in the hotels I went being a manager in the hotels and then I went from that and I started working with their hospital division I started working in the hospitals running their hospital food departments and working with the dietitians and uh, building up their food program where I created doctors' lounges, and people would come. Doctors would come from everywhere. That's how I got into business. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh! And it seems like that experience at Chi Chi's kind of sparked a a fire in you about leadership, and Absolutely. I guess learning how to do everything <laughs> or knowing having that knowledge helped yeah. you in leadership when you you know when you moved up which is which is 
phenomenal. Oh my gosh. You have been instrumental in helping individuals realize that change is necessary for personal and business growth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Could you share an inspiring story of someone you've mentored or coached who overcame significant challenges like yourself to achieve success? Well, let me tell you, I take a group of young men. I call them the mod squad now. That's what we call them. And uh, we just graduated another set of group. And um, one of the first groups, the first group that we had, we had a group of 25 young men um, that was, they, we take them from 14 up to uh, 20. And um, we work with them, right? <clears throat> so during the time, every Saturday morning, Okay. Uh, there's an event that I do when I'm doing the sessions and these men has to be there at 6 a.m. in the morning. Nice and early. Very early. We we only allow them three times to be absent or late, period. And it's a uh, it's a 16 week program and um, they have to be there. But it's it's three years. We do it for three years. Right. We do it for the 16 weeks. Get a break do it again so it's twice in a year and we do it for three years right and then we huddle we talk we share about all kind of things so this one boy he had a brother okay now he's three years older than his brother but for some reason he was struggling in school getting in trouble his mother was afraid he was going to go to jail and um I'd worked in a prison system too. So I knew all about the prisons and all of that. So wow. I told her, let me have him sign him up for my program, you know, and if he doesn't change, then I'll give you money back. I said, that's the guarantee I'll give you. And uh, she said, okay. okay, we put him in a program. He's not the, <clears throat> he wasn't the smartest guy, according to everybody. And I, and I remember, you know, I went through this. I said, listen, I've been through this, bro. I said, everybody has the capacity to learn. Everybody. Never you're mind. not an exception. Everybody. Whether you're retarded, autistic, it don't matter. You have the capacity to learn. Once we learn your capacity, all we need to know is what's your rate of learning. And once we learn that, we can help you out. So we began to work with him. And he graduated with his brother. <laughs> his brother... <laughs> You know, he's three years ahead, supposed to graduate it, right? Three years ahead. Well, he winds up graduating with his brother because I convinced his mother, no, let's let's let him graduate. I know he wants you want him to do the GET. I think it'd be better for him to graduate. I think he'll be all right. I know he's three years older, but they look the same. He looks young. You know, it'll be better. So he graduates with his brother. Oh. <laughs> his brother was like, Man, you graduate with me. And I used to tell him, but y'all both graduate. I Thank said, you. so now you both got an opportunity. And now he runs, he's a general manager of a store. And he now has other people working for him. He hires people, fires people, manages people. And um, he told me the other day that he was being looked at for the regional position. So, which he had been denied right of the manager spot i think seven times before um wow. when he was in that program and i said don't worry about that once you get through with the program i'm gonna help you out and now he's running the whole thing so his mother she's happy his cousin's happy and um you know that's just one of the ones that we've helped and 
one of many, I'm, I'm assuming. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. The yes, Mod you, Squad. The Mod Squad. I like Men that. Men of Destiny. Like Men of Destiny. That's what that stands for. Men of Destiny. I love that. I love that. Oh, my yes, gosh. Yep. You have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tell you got to stand on something. Because if you, right. Dr. Martin Luther King said, if a man doesn't stand for something he's willing to die for, he's not oh. fit to be a man. That's so I tell him you got to stand for four things. Faith, courage, <clears throat> chivalry, and wisdom. I said, I don't care what these girls sing to you, chivalry is still important. But chivalry is not just for women, it's for all relationships where you honor and respect with integrity all relationships. And this, and this is some of the many things that you teach the men of Absolutely. destiny. Yes, which is Absolutely. wonderful. This is this is this is wonderful. You have a wonderful book called Live Generously. Yes. And you explore the Bible teachings on money and the importance of generosity in a believer's life. Could you share one of the most impactful biblical principles about money you discuss in the book and how it's transformed your own perspective on finances? Absolutely. You know, my mother <clears throat> was a wonderful woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, back then when I grew up, you know, uh, my mother had three boys. Yeah. All of us have three different fathers. So mm -hmm. we all had three different last names. Right. And so we were getting teased and we'd look different and uh, bullied. And so my youngest brother's um, my youngest brother's father um, married my mother and said to my mother, how about we give them you know, my last name. And he sat me and my other brother down and said, listen, I want to know if you're willing to take on my last name. Mm. And um, when he did, it changed everything for us, right? Because I used to, it used to be a struggle. And when I remember getting to college on the scholarship, I still needed other things. I still needed things. And I remember saying to myself, wow, I don't know anything about really how to handle money and all these kids was getting, and we, I remember going down to our student hall. In the student hall, there was vendors, and there was at least seven vendors who was giving all of us credit cards. They were giving all of us credit. We got no job. We don't even know how we're going to pay it back, but we all signing it and filling it out. And all of my friends, we, you know, especially my frat brothers, you know, we all play, we all got these credit cards, buying clothes, jewelry. And when the bill came, we were like, who will pay that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I had, that was the beginning of my journey. And I, I decided later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to teach us about money, how to handle money. But I found out that there were principles about money, just like there's principles in this world on, you know, life, you know, gravity, what go up is coming down, no matter who you are. So you got to have the law of lift to go against gravity or you coming down. And I found out that there was laws of money. If you give, it's coming back. It's like money circulates. So you got to learn to get into the principle of circulating. But I also found that our oppressors have kept us from understanding money, what to do with the money. And even in churches, they didn't want you to talk about money, even though they needed money. And so that's what started me on the research to say, you know what? I want to do this. And um, I had buddies who worked for Smith Barney. Um, they worked for all of the, the big time companies, Merrill Lynch, 
And yes. um, I sat down, I interviewed at least 25 people about the, the way they handle money and it lined up with biblical principles. And I said, oh, so the biblical principles supersede really all of them. So if I learn the biblical principles and do this, I'll automatically do that, <laughs> you know? And then, um, so it got me into what to do basically on a foundational purpose of your money, how to deal with it from a God perspective. What is a tithe? Why should I tithe? Should I even do a tithe? You know, what does giving does? Is it do or do anything? You know, I grew up Baptist. All I knew is every Sunday, the, the deacons was up there and they was always short. That's all I know. They would say, hey, we short. Can we get somebody to give me a dollar? Give me two dollars. Every Sunday, every it was Sunday, like yeah. begging for some money. And I said, this cannot be God. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Interludes is now available on the Live 365 app under the Absolutely Focus radio platform. We have partnered with Absolutely Focus Radio to give you more aspirational, more informational, and more motivational tips from our insightful interviews with today's top creatives and business professionals. Come be inspired by the platform Absolutely Focus Radio, only on the Live 365 app. Check out our platform, Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, by downloading the Live 365 app today and search for Absolutely Focus Radio. Newsflash, Val The Voice Johnson is currently one of the lead moderators on the platform, The House of Creativity on Clubhouse. Val The Voice Johnson can be heard leading the THOC news team with Latino relationship and good news and entertainment news that you can use to peruse your daily life. Join us every Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern in the House of Creativity. Become a member of the House of Creativity on the Clubhouse app today. And now, back to our show. I grew up Baptist, too. <laughs> so I know, like, all right, we're going to put this, we're going to send this dish around one more Come again. On, we're one like, more wow, one more again. We're like, all right. I'm like, okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The choir sing another song. Let's do another right. song. Come on, Deacons, get that thing. <laughs> Thinking that the music was going to change, you know, we didn't right. give the first go around. So the second go around, if we get the, you know, change, someone from the amen section to go ahead and sing something, and I'm like, oh, wow, this, this Always feels change. weird. <laughs> this feels weird. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You here's the thing. Being a motivational speaker, I think a lot of people and including myself think, ah, you need some type of degree, you need some type of certification, especially folks that do TED Talks or other type of motivational speakers. I just earlier mentioned Les Brown and and then I, some other motivational speakers come to mind. If someone wanted to go in that lane and say, I want to use my platform and then also i want to be a motivational speaker where would they start first where would you direct them well the first thing i'm telling them to do is really to perfect their own story what story do you have what what is your story mine is overcoming challenges overcoming setbacks crisis so i teach people how to overcome regardless of what 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 the deck has dealt them I'm going to show you how to overcome. I'm going to show you it's it's possible to overcome. There's nothing 
in your way, no barrier in your way that you have to submit to. And it doesn't have to be innocuous. You can overcome it. So that's my story. Once you know what your story is, some people don't know what their story is. However, according to Oprah, everybody got a story. <laughs> you got to know what your story is. That's number one. Then once you know what your story is, you want to know, you know, what do you want to do with your story? You just want to tell people. You just want people to know about the story. Do you want to coach people? Do you want to train people? Do you What do you want to do with your story? Because once you can identify it, you know, the people, I think it's in the scriptures too, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And then it says without a vision, people perish. So there's two things that cause you to fail, you know, no vision and no knowledge. So once you know what you want to do, then it's a matter of, okay, now how do I get here? How do I get from here to there? Got it. And if they do, then I, I've worked with um, Let's, which is Leadership Experience Tour. Me and Sean Fair, we're partners in this. And um, we set this up to where people who want to go with their story to the next level, we can get them started. Um, everything they're going to need to get them started at the at the ground floor level. Yeah, and you we had talked a little bit beforehand, and that's excellent, excellent advice. Know what the story is. Know your story before you can motivate. Gotta that gotta stand on that number one, that foundation. And in you are a part of an anthology called The Heart of a Black Man. And yes. they are they they explore compelling perspectives from multiple authors and men and women talk about kind of that same concept and in in the in the frame of leadership how do you believe leadership can play a pivotal role in addressing societal societal challenges faced by black men both in corporate as well as within communities well listen john maxwell says it best that leadership is nothing but influence and ah. if you can influence people then what happens is is people give you permission to speak into their life. When people don't give you permission to speak into their life, uh, they get offended. People say, oh, I don't know who you think you are. That's why even though you might be an older person, you might be a wise person, you've got to have influence into their life before you can speak to them. Most people think just because they're older, they got a right to talk to the young kids. In, in back in my mother's day, yes. In today's time, no. So you gotta be a leader to influence people, then they open up their world, give you permission to speak into their life. <clears throat> when it comes to African-American men, we have had that taken away from us. It doesn't yeah. matter what all over the years, if you go back to slavery time and even the oppressors, they was they were breaking up families from the beginning. Right. We, we watched the Harriet Tubman movie, which I thought was an excellent movie, whoever put it together. And um, they walked through the steps. And this is in the 1700s, it said. And yet she was raised up to pull people out of slavery and give them freedom. And yet the different families was being uh, torn apart even in that. And they were men. Most of them were men. They were beating them, sending them away. Well, they're really doing that still today. And I don't see how men have been able to come out of it. Even my own father, my father was not there and I, when I talked to him before he passed away his father wasn't there and his father wasn't there so we're talking about four generations of fathers not there 
no leadership, no influence in the home. So I spoke to my father and I said, well, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop that with me. He said, well, why would you do that? I said, well, because I want to have influence in my son's or my kid's life. And I want to be able to see them. I said, it was going to start with us. I said, I know we can't affect everyone, 7 billion people, but we can affect a lot of people. Okay. And the people we can affect, we'll teach them to affect. And we'll start this circle of, of goodness, influence, and men who can make change versus continual perpetual this devastating demise amongst black men. And so that's how important it is. And then, of course, um, the U.S. World News Report in 1981 on the front cover of a secular magazine, news magazine, had Dad is Destiny. They did the statistics of black men or men in the home versus men out of the home. And they found out that when there was men in the home, especially black men in the home, um, and they went through different categories, whether they were on drugs, but they were in the home, whether they were productive workers and whatnot in the home, they showed the statistics. And it was proven from a secular magazine that man in the home was better than him not in the home. And he had more influence of helping the children do better and have more productive lives, graduated from high school, going on to college, girls wouldn't get pregnant. All of that on and on proved it was better for them to be in the home. Right. And I think just knowing about, like, I feel like the the plan that we that we see and we have to stop is that you know black men going straight to prison and there's more and more prisons that are being built versus universities and just kind of that 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 school to prison pipeline i feel like that just needs to get shut off completely oh, no doubt. there's yeah. no doubt about it you know i mean i uh i've done some so many things but i used to work in the prison system in florence yes. prison in arizona i used to live in arizona and um, I remember when I first got out of the military, I said, hey, I'm going to work, you know, for the state of, of Arizona. My brother wanted to do it and uh, me and him did it together. But he went into the psych, um, working with the psychiatry and all of that. So I, I went and worked in the prison and um, I worked in open yard, a super max, medium yard. I even worked in shock incarceration, taking on the first time offenders, as long as they were 18 to 21. And if they could make it through the program, then they put them on like six months probation. If they survive that, they'll wipe away their, what they did in a sponge. Yeah. So um, I've seen it all. I've seen how many are in prison um, and it's sad. I see the system that once a person gets in there, it's very difficult to get out of it. It's designed to wrap you and keep you and, um, 90, let me put it this way, 95% of African-American men who get arrested for whatever their crime is, if it's a felony, whatever it is, 95% of them take plea deals and that's why they go to jail. Mm. And the feds, it's even worse. They want plea deals. They, they put pressure for plea deals. 
all they want is a win. And that's a win for them because yeah. you're going to jail. I don't care what they say. You're going to jail unless you have some money to buy a lawyer that's going to work for you. Other than that, 95% of all of them that sit before the lawyer and the judge take a plea deal. That's yeah. why they're in jail. Yeah. And, oh, and I, I'm reminding of, I'm reminded of the Ava DuVernay uh, Netflix mm -hmm. series, mm -hmm. um, When They See Us. Mm -hmm. We now have changed with the exonerated five. And I remember yes. being so emotional watching that because the innocence was taken away from these, oh, let me not get emotional, these five young men because they didn't have someone or a lawyer or good lawyers to go ahead and defend them. And it was just that accusation. And a lot of the, the five of, of them lost year, decades of their life because they were falsely accused. And how as many African-American men that are guilty of the crime accused, what about the ones that get into this prison system and they are innocent? Absolutely. There's no yeah. question and that no that to me is that to me is very very disturbing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the Victory Church International. You are pastor and prophet of this, yes. and I am. I, I saw some some videos and and definitely saw you and your beautiful wife. Um, mm -hmm. And how in in regards to leadership, how would you integrate your leadership expertise from the corporate world? into leading and guiding your congregation? Like what principles of leadership have you found most relevant in context of your church community there at Victory Church International? Yeah, you know, our, our church, the Victory Church International right here in Westland is, you know, we, we stand on teaching people how to win. That's the whole goal. We tell people that we teach you how to win in every area of life. We don't want you to win just in church. We don't want you to win um, just on sports. No, we want you to win in every area of your life. We believe that it's very difficult and hard to separate and divide who you are with what you do. I don't know how people play that game. You, it's all integrated. There's exactly. no way not to. So people have to learn how to handle relationships. You know, there's a right and a wrong way of how to handle relationships. There's um, you've got to have integrity. Integrity is everything, right. right? We teach people that family is important um, and you got to know how to deal with the family. It's crucible and it's a nurturer, but you got to know how to deal with it. When I was a kid, I told people, I said, my mother from the old school, her that mindset was shut up, listen to me. And if you don't, then I'll take you out. I said, well, what about I had things I wanted to say or at least create me a platform so I could at least have some dialogue, some communication, but don't just knock me down and where I've got to take it like you're now become my oppressor and you're my mother, <laughs> you know? So mm -hmm. we teach these principles and that's how we teach it. We teach it from the principles. What we use the Bible as our textbook and other books, but the main book we use is the Bible with interpretation from the Greek or the Hebrew, breaking the words down to get the clearer meaning of what it really means. And then from that, we then exert the principles of how to do it, like business principles. There's business principles, being punctual, right? So we teach young men how to be punctual, how to look right, depending on what job they want. Now, we tell them, you going out in the field, 
you know, you want to be in a farmer and you got your hair all wild, cool, no problem. They have no issue. But if you want to be in corporate, you want someone to take you serious, you need to look the part. Nobody is going to take you serious. I don't care if you want to be cool, bro, man, man, dingo. I'm not mad at you. However, if you want the job, then you're going to have to understand the business principles. And it's those principles that are everlasting. And it's those principles that's transference, transfer. And that's what we teach at the Victory Church International. We want people to know we're not a religious place. We're not religious, right? We have religion, <laughs> but we're not religious. And we don't, we're not denominationalism, but we are principle life driven. So if you're dealing with life, interacting with people, you want us <laughs> because we're going to teach you. We tell, we bring families together and we restore families because we teach them how to handle conflict. We teach them how to deal with crisis. We teach them how to confront the right way, the proper way. Teach mothers how to make the transitions between their children being kids and, and young adults to adults. How do you make that flip? How do you then deal with your kids for influence, not because you mama, you're going to take them out. You understand? So we begin to walk them through this so that they can have influence with their children and their adult children so that they'll continue to be in their life. Because a lot of times kids like me, when they wanted to learn, when they wanted to, when, when, when I wanted to learn, I left. I'm like, I ain't coming back. I'm, my mother changed a lot. So that was not a good thing <laughs> at 18. <laughs> <laughs> Mine happened at 30. <laughs> I left, I left the Midwest for New York. And I was like, I got to put some space between me and my mom. Or I, I, was getting, I was getting ready to take out myself. I'm like, ah. See, so you know. <laughs> so I know. So yes, you do. <laughs> oh my gosh! I love it. Well, congratulations. Recently, you received a doctorate in divinity from the Trinity International Yes Institute. Mm -hmm. And how has this advanced degree further enhanced your approach to leadership, both in the spiritual context and in the business world? You know, what I've learned about credentials is, first of all, they're they're just that. They're credentials that just get you in different doors, right? Okay. I tell people all the time, like, as Les Brown would say, I always tell people, I'm Anthony D. Shannon, right? People call me Shannon. That's my mama's given name. However, over the years, I've earned some things that, you know, I've earned. You know, no one's given it to me. I've earned it. And so I have these different titles and different things that people put up on me because of the things I've earned, which I then prove to other people that it is possible to continue to learn, continue to grow. I consider myself a lifetime student. I'm always learning, always growing. I'm never too big to learn, never too too big to think I'm, I can't sit or help, you understand? So this is what I teach. We teach from the position of servant leadership. And because of that, you know, we're able to now help others. We're able to pour into others and we're able to sit at different tables that we were not able to sit at just because of that. You know, oh, yeah, let's bring him in, doctor. Come on. All right. Praise God. Let's do it. You know what I mean? If this is what you need, then I need to have it. Paul said, I become all things for all men that I might win them. And um, that's what I do. You know, I'm able to have some good conversations and dialogue with many people. 
from the LGBTQ position. We just have dialogue. You know, I'm not here to judge them or point a finger. Let's have some dialogue. By the time I get through, they find out I'm a ferocious reader on all of that position. So I know how to talk to them uh, from that position, not from a judgmental or you this or that. Let's just have a dialogue. Let's have a conversation and let's talk about it. You know, (laughs) that's how we roll. (laughs) (laughs) And in the in the clubhouse streets you're known as speaker t where did that where did that name come from (laughs) that came from les brown you know in in the clubhouse when we first started me delano uh, monique and uh, antonio landis thompson um when we were starting that club the house of creativity it was speaker right it was Mm -hmm. it was profit it was speaker profit trainer is what it was (laughs) and um but they would cut out it cut out the pastor Profit and all it said was speaker trainer. So, but when it came up, it said speaker T. And Les Brown came into the House of Creativity. We were all talking, and he was like, "I like that speaker T. That's catchy. Just keep that. Don't change nothing." <laughs> so <laughs> everybody was like, "Cool, there it is, speaker T." I said, "There it is," <laughs> and it caught on. And now everywhere, every room we go, they go, "Yeah, hey, speaker T." Is. <laughs> so we just kept it rolling. I love I love it. I love it. Because like I said, I in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he's a motivational speaker. He's Absolutely. he's a paid speaker. And this is what he does. And then I pulled back the, the layers and was thinking, oh, no, it, it, there's so much more. And I, I'm so inspired by you. And, and I love the way you speak. Anytime you we as we say in Clubhouse, throw the mic to you, you always have something very insightful to say. And that's the reason why I, I wanted to invite you to come on. If anyone wanted to have, wanted to know anything about what you and the Victory Church or where you'll be speaking at, at a stage or virtual place near you, where would they go? <laughs> well, they can go to um, the Victory Church, org, and um, they can find out what we're doing there. We do stream on YouTube. Um, we stream on Facebook, Instagram um, as well. Even on the website, they can uh, find different things we do. We also have the School of the Prophets that we now train prophets. So if someone feels that they have a calling into the prophetic or they want to tap into that gift, um, we teach people um, the beginning stages of the prophetic and then they graduate, there'll be neophytes if they choose to go further. Then we have, you know, different uh, sessions for them to go further. But we always introduce them so that we can get it out of the spooky world into, you know, substantive, cognitive interaction, right? And so that's what we we teach. Also, because of where, you know, we started our speaking business, which we motivate folks and we help corporations we have Anthony D. Shannon Consulting Group.com, uh, right? And so that people can go to, and then our academy, which is Leaders Live Generously Academy.com, that people can go and join our academy. And those are, that's how people can connect with us and get involved or get their kids or themselves trained or coached at a whole nother level. Oh, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Prophet, pastor, speaker T, it's Anthony D. Shannon. Thank you so much for being here. 
Absolutely. We thank you, Ms. Val, the voice. And um, let me just give you this prophetic word as we get ready to leave. Father God, open my eyes to see and my ears to hear. I hear the word of the Lord to you, Ms. Val, that this is just the beginning of many doors that's going to open. You have had to overcome different obstacles in the past. You have had to overcome the doors that were shut, the people's voices that said, but then something happened, something quickened, something broke inside of you. And the father said, because of that, things are now about to take off. 2024, 2025 is the years for you. They're going to be years of catalyst that's going to push you to new levels and new heights. Matter of fact, by the second half of 2024, you're going to be in different platforms speaking. You're going to be invited to different things and different rooms. It's going to shock you. It's going to amaze you. And money's going to start coming in. Money's going to start coming in from the North, East, West, and South. And the Father said, and watch out because you're going to be known as an encourager. You're going to be able to encourage women who've been hurt, been abused. You're going to be able to talk to them. You're going to be able to write it down. Matter of fact, your journal is going to turn into a book. So the Father said, get ready, get ready. Things are about to look up. 24 and 25, that's your year. Remember, you are called for this. And that's the word of the Lord unto you. Amen. <laughs> I accept that. And thank you. I, oh gosh, thank you so very much. I'm Val the Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes. To see more of our interview with Dr. Anthony D. Shannon, aka Speaker T, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Please like, share, and subscribe to the Interludes YouTube channel today. Interludes is now on the audio app Clubhouse. Come on and unleash the power of podcasting with me, your host, Val The Voice Johnson. We have invaluable podcasting tips and tricks that will help elevate your podcasting game. Join the vibrant Interludes Club community on Clubhouse today and connect with fellow podcasters and creatives who are shaping the future of audio content. Ready to take the next steps? Download the Clubhouse app and look for the Interludes House and become a part of the Interludes podcasting community. Your podcast journey deserves nothing less than the best and Interludes on Clubhouse is here to make it happen. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, produced by Valerie Johnson. Original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a Peer Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by... Need help with wills, trust, or protecting your LLC? Join Legal Shield today. For more information regarding legal protection or to join our worldwide sales team, text the word LEGAL to 347-652-0243. Become a future sponsor or advertiser on our podcasting platform by visiting our website today. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join Interlude's Facebook group, visit the website linktree slash peerlightmedia. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash peerlightmedia. Peer